the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. It's great to be back again uh, this week. We're joined by Craig Young and I'm your host Paul Spain. Welcome Craig, how are you? Oh, Kira Paul. Yeah, no, I'm doing well, thank you. It's good to have summer arriving in Auckland so that at least, you know, when we're outside it's warm and dry. Yeah, it's uh, it's fairly warm, that's for sure. And um, yeah, we will we will start appreciating uh, every bit of rain we get from uh, from now on, and I think. <laughs> Um, yeah. Lots to talk about this week. A lot of things going on uh, from a New Zealand uh, perspective, as as well as some international news. But before we start, um, maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into the the tech world with um, yourself and with uh, Two Ends. Sure. Well, I'm I'm the CEO of Two Ends, a technology users association. Look. Um, those of you that have been around the tech industry for a while will know of us. We're a users group. You know, that's really important to us that we're not representing the technology industry. We're representing the users of technology. We've been around, oh, long time. 35 years we're coming up to in March. So, um, and we were just been looking at some of our, um, you know, our, our loyal membership. You know, we've got some really uh, strong members that have been part of the association for many years. And, and any association is only as, in, as strong as the members that it has because that's who we represent. Um, partly they fund us, um, but also because, you know, that, that gives you the people who are volunteering to help out. And um, so, yeah, that's and I've been the CEO now for seven years, Paul. I didn't. I was just sort of looking at that the other day, um, and and I'm enjoying it. There's always something different in technology, isn't there? Yeah, there certainly there certainly is. Yeah, that boy, that seven years is uh, that's moved along uh, pretty quickly, uh, Craig. And uh, yeah, there's there's lots lots going on. Continues to uh, to be so. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's great that. Uh, um, you know, two ends is, is going strong, and um, you know that that transition from being the telecommunications um, users association to technology users association. I think that's uh, that's you know been a very uh, very good move, and uh, yeah. yeah, we look look forward to uh, hearing a little bit more during the show. Uh, maybe one or two of the things that uh, you've been involved in recently. Um, first up, I did want to d- dive into a, a telecommunications type uh, topic. Um, we, we talked recently around how uh, Chorus had announced that they were going to be uh, changing their, what I guess is, is, is typically the, um, the base uh, fibre plan available to, uh, to those in New Zealand that are using ultra-fast broadband or you know, fibre-based internet uh, connection. And you know, of course, the the lower speed that it, you know started out uh, around a decade ago when those first connections started rolling out, um, the base speed you could get was uh, 30 megabit download speed and a yep. 10 megabit per second upload. Um, but right from the get go, there were there were plan- there were faster plans, uh, and the uh, the 200 megabits down and 200 megabits up, I recall, sort of being the you know the the Mac Daddy, the top plan that uh, people would sign up for, uh, and you know I was was fortunate enough to uh, to have a couple of those sort of earlier um, con- connections uh, to, uh, uh, to to try out, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really really pretty exciting. But of course we've we've come a long way, 
and uh, Chorus announced, you know, announced a, l a little while back that their base plan, which was 100 megabits down and 20 megabits per second uh, up, was getting a, a, a nice little bump uh, to, to 300 uh, slash, uh, slash 100. So uh, when we, we think about those numbers, that's, uh, that's 10 times what the, what the base plan was. Uh, a decade ago, and we've also seen the other, the, the local fibre companies, the smaller uh, entities, which covers uh, Northland, um, sort of Waikato, and, and some of the um, Bay of Plenty, I think, and uh, and Christchurch. Uh, they've all sort of come on board uh, with with a similar sort of offering, and it seems like uh, right now uh, people are starting to get uh, get their their speeds bumped up, which is is very very nice. Yeah, well, I, I was at Chorus when we, we did the deal and started the program, and 30 megabits per second seemed to be... Even then, when we started, we thought, well, that's fast enough, sort of, at the moment. It's sort of equivalent to what was coming out through VDSL. Not quite, but, I mean, 30 megs on fibre is quite different from 30 on VDSL, and that 30 megs on fibre was going to be 30 all the time. And 100, and you're right, the 200 was sort of like the, the big one. And... Um, you know, the, the vast majority of people who are connected still are on that 100 megabit um, plan. There is still some 30s and 50s out there. I was looking the other day. Um, but it's it was an interesting move by Chorus to just turn around and say, well, we're going to bump everyone up to 300 that's not there because it was just done by the wholesaler and the retailers sort of had to follow on. So um, really well, positive they, from they the they sense of users. They could have taken a different approach, couldn't they, Craig? They could yeah. have decided, hey, we're... We're we're not going to give you that much. We're going to constrain it somewhere in our network. But it doesn't seem as though anybody has. So as Chorus have flicked it on, um, basically we're hearing from customers across, you know, pretty much, um, you know, every every telco. I know we, we you know we we spoke to My Republic, uh, you know, la last week, and um, you know that 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 was you know they were expecting this sort of uh, this sort of timing and yeah, uh, yeah and indeed it's uh, it's happening. Yeah, because of course it's only the bit, this this speed upgrade is the bit between your house or your premise and where Chorus hands it over to the retailer. So the retailer needs to do some work as well. Um, but you know, I just think it's a great move for consumers. Um, you know, no extra cost. You're getting a you know three times speed bump. Um, and particularly for those in us in Auckland, although it's coming towards the end of our lockdown, of course, so it might have been a bit more helpful at the beginning, but, you know, it, it, it is really important. And, and if you look across the the world, you know, that that even just that one little move moves us up the list of countries for when it comes to average speed of broadband. What it does indicate is that sometimes other people get left behind. And what I mean by that is, this time last year, the government and the Commerce Commission were saying, well, look, we think the 100 megabit per second speed is sort of like the anchor product. That's sort of like the the base product that everyone's going to need. And we, two hands at the time, were saying, no, no, that's, that's, that's today. That's not what tomorrow. You need to be thinking about tomorrow. You know, a gig, up to a gig is sort of where we're going. And um, you ought to make it flexible enough. Well, you know, year on, already we're moving to 300 as the base. So... Uh, you know, <laughs> 300 today, a gig tomorrow. I think that, you know, give people the speed and they'll fill it up. Yeah, yep. There's always uh, always an op opportunity. And although probably most of the time those that are on gig plans aren't benefiting, there are, there are times when, 
you know, when you absolutely do. Uh, and whether that's, a, you know, a faster, you've got a lot of data to sync to or from the cloud, uh, there, there, are, there are benefits of having those bigger plans. Uh, one thing I noticed from uh, some of the discussion going on on uh, GeekZone, and it was something I wondered about, was are there going to be some people that are going to say, well, I'm paying an extra $20 for a, a plan that's near gigabit speed, half gigabit upload, should should actually I you know put put a little bit of money back in my pocket now that the base plan uh, is actually so fast and uh, there's, there's there's an interesting uh, discussion to be had around that now I think yeah having that having that extra headroom it's it's a little bit like a you know a fast a fast car or a fast uh, electric vehicle um, it's very very nice to be able to you know put your foot down a Tesla or whatever it is and uh, and get those top speeds very very quickly um, and it's also very very helpful if you need to move some data around for it to take you know an hour instead of maybe four hours or you know th- th- those sorts of things or one day instead of four days if you've got a big amount of data to uh, to to move and so. I, th- you know, I think it's it's probably not something I would I would think any business probably should be. Uh, well, there are probably always exceptions to the rule, um, but uh, you know, most businesses that have got yeah. got chunks of data they need to sync from time to time, um, and even those in um, you know for for home use, um, yeah, just just give it a bit of thought before you before you do that. Um, but for some homes, I you know I think hey yeah this could this could be a saving. Um, I think we talked about in the past that um, uh, this this move is you know is something to help uh, keep fiber as the premium product in the in the market yeah. and uh, help yeah. people to to maybe think twice before uh, moving to a, a um, you know a fixed wireless or you know four G or five G uh, based internet service for, for you know for their home or business. Yeah, well, of course, the Commerce Commission has come out in the last couple of weeks and said to the industry, you need to be advertising your services in a way that people understand, particularly having a poke at the fixed wireless providers and just how they explain how their service runs. I mean, I'm a huge um, supporter of all types of infrastructure, but it's really horses for courses. And I'm with you, Paul. Um, You know, we've got a gig at home because... Well, I work from home most of the time at the moment. You just want that little bit of headroom just in case something does you know, come along that where you got to you got to meet that up, but not everyone needs that. And and we've been looking at what are some of the options that you know people could look at um, to help them understand what they're actually using and when they can move and when they could save some money. Um, is the technology the right one? Is the plan the right one? You know, all the way through from helping them, uh, you know, perhaps just a little bit clearer about plan through to some of the things that have been looked at overseas in in international jurisdictions. Uh, things like automatic switching so for example you might say well this is my what i the service i have now this is what i pay and then hand it over to a third party and then they they have an automated system that just looks at your bill every couple of weeks and says actually there's a cheaper plan over here i'm just going to move you now and you don't actually know about it so um and telecommunications and, and, and broadband is a little bit more complicated. They're certainly looking at the industry, energy industry in the UK. It is out there in the extreme, but, you know, there are all sorts of different things that could be done to ensure that consumers are actually getting the what they need when they need it. So, you know, but um, 300 megs, I think it's a great move. Yeah, yeah, really, uh, really pleasing. Um, just one sort of follow-up from my, my chat with uh, Vaughan Baker 
um, last week, and um, My Republic has had a little a little bit of flack for um, some uh, some performance issues uh, in their network. And I had a bit of a chat to him sort of after we after we came off the podcast. Um, and yeah, he mentioned that they have had some issues, but they're they're working on those. So um, yeah, one or two people. Um, uh, you know, might have wondered why we didn't uh, pull pull them up on uh, on those things, but um, you know, I guess not every consumer is sort of sitting there, you know, running speed tests and uh, and monitoring the difference between their internet provider and 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 another one. Um, but uh, you know, it is it is fair enough that we we should be able to you know hold our providers to account and and expect the very uh, the very best from them. Uh, and, well, Vaughan uh, is a board member of we, yeah. We do well. Yeah, Vaughan is actually a board member of mine, so I uh, might need to take it up with him on Wednesday for my board, my board meeting. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, now on to uh, on to other tech. Uh, electric electric boats have been getting you know a bit yeah. of attention, and I was really um, pleased to uh, to see um, stuff uh, covering the move of a new uh, electric ferry going into uh, into service in uh, in Wellington, and yeah, this looks like uh, like. Uh, quite a uh, big deal uh, coming through the Wellington El- Electric um, boat building uh, company, and uh, yeah, they're doing some. Looks like they're doing some uh, some great uh, work into uh, into you know building uh, electric boats and, and ferries. And we've had a you know I think there's there must be about 20 companies in New Zealand now that are uh, that are working in that space. So. Uh, great to great to see you know, Kiwis out there uh, innovating, maybe in, in areas that, that uh, New Zealand hasn't uh, hasn't uh, traditionally got involved in. And of course, you know, uh, electric transports uh, is, is still a pretty new uh, new area at the moment. So there are plenty of opportunities, and you know, I think it's it's really pleasing to uh, to see this activity and and to see. Uh, you know things happening commercially that are that are getting funded and uh, you know actually getting uh, getting out there and getting out on our waters. Yeah, because of course the thing with electrical vehicles and electric ferries, obviously you don't want to get stuck in the middle of the harbour with a flat battery, um, <laughs> and so it's the it's the technology that wraps around it that's so important, isn't it? So it's like it's all that controls that go into it, and you know what a great industry for New Zealanders to get into because it's going only going to take off around the world, and to be known for being experts, being able to get the most out of this type of approach. And, you know, I was just, um, was it about a year ago, I was at a presentation in Wellington around the way they're doing buses and, you know, how you can work your schedules so that you your bus stops somewhere for half an hour for a bit of a top-up mm. on charging. So there's all these clever little things that you can do that your technology tells you um, and feeds you back. So, you know, when a, when a boat is pulls up to a wharf if you can plug it in for a little while and top it up that's really important but you've got to know that so um yeah so I, I i'm with you i think it you know we have to be at the forefront of these things yeah def- definitely um now another headline that caught my attention and it was sort of a a, a clickbaity headline because something we've known you know we've known for for a long time and you know now i've discussed it in the you know in the media and, and a you know just in a a passing comment basis, um, but uh, it was a, 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 a um, 
member of New Zealand Police saying that uh, ransomware might not exist without uh, without cryptocurrencies. And and look, you know, I think that is uh, it is largely largely you know true that the uh, the massive increase we've seen in in cyber crime is so closely tied to how easy it is to move money uh, around the mm. world and and to a degree untraceably but 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 not entirely and we've certainly seen um, you know varying law, law enforcement be able to um, uh, retrieve funds using various uh, various mechanisms and uh, and figure out where where funds have gone uh, I, I think that's not necessarily something that they share uh, the full story behind how it uh, how it all happens, but it's uh, it's, it's definitely something that's uh, that that's going on, and you know of course you can look up wallets and the, the, you know part of the aspect of of cryptocurrencies is hey the data is all on the blockchain, um, so you can also join up some some dots, um, but I, I guess w- this uh, the, the the article. Um, was uh, highlighting the new uh, report that has come out from the uh, uh, National Cyber Security uh, Centre, uh, gov- government uh, entity there, um, and their annual um, threat report that had uh, that had been released. And um, yeah, some interesting uh, some interesting stats in there. Um, probably the big one that, that that stood out to me. Was the uh, the the total number of uh, total number of uh, incidents, and they talked about 404 incidents um, uh, affecting significant organisations in in 2020-2021, a 15% increase in last year's uh, total. And the, I guess the bit that jumped out to me is people that might leave some people thinking that New Zealand had 404 cybersecurity incidents, which is a little more than one a day. Uh, whereas in reality, these things are, are constant, and there are yeah. many of them happening every single uh, every single day. And and probably, you know, the large majority of them, uh, you know, don't get reported uh, through these sort these sorts of stats. So you know, we only ever ever you know hear. Uh, a very little bit of the picture, I think, Craig. What's your What's your view on this? Yeah, it's a fascinating one, and I think in that the the, the other thing in that um, article was something around the stats of like ninety eight percent of all ransomware attacks in New Zealand last year were, you know, the ransom was it was asked for in Bitcoin. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, so you do see how that that is really important. Um, I think this huge under. Well, not even not even under reporting because they're not required to report unless it's a privacy breach, yes. and that only is with uh, on private data. So, um, and that only came in at the end of last year, anyway. So, I think um, we had a we had a discussion uh, just uh, two weeks ago with um, some people from Cordia. We had a webinar, and we asked the question: Should you pay your ransom? And of course, the the, the standard answer is no. You don't pay ransom, but people do. And they're the ones you don't hear about. So if you're if you're if you're without your data, then it's critical to your business, and it's you know you, you need it back. So if you haven't done your backups and you haven't got it ready to go, what do you do? Well, you, sometimes you've got to pay your ransom. So I think there's a huge amount out there, and you're absolutely right, Paul. I think one of the things that we forget about in New Zealand is that we might feel like we're at the bottom of the planet. And at the moment, when with COVID and no flying and supply chains for physical goods, we definitely know that we're down the bottom. But 
cyber-wise and network-wise, we're milliseconds from anywhere, aren't we? That's a you good know, point, this, yeah. yeah. and the stories also, you know, through if you talk to people that, that sometimes will share with you and sometimes won't, New Zealand, we think we're... Um, immune to this but often we're actually a staging post as well because we're seen as a safe and secure location a first world country if a if a ransomware attack or a cyber security a cyber criminal can route something through new zealand to somewhere else it looks like it's coming from here when it's not so um, i'm with you i think there's a lot that goes on that none of us see even just thinking you know back to the ddos attack on the nzx last year just i talked to the cio just offline around you know what was happening there and it was just wave after wave after wave of um, DDoS, you know, and, and and you just don't comprehend these sorts of things unless you're really in the industry. So um, the, the number that came out of that report that frightened me too was the estimate that ransomware would go from about twenty billion US dollars this year to two hundred and fifty-six billion in twenty thirty-one. That is a shed load of money, you know. That's that's out there. That yeah, so so what we've got to do somehow. Because it comes back to that comment about Bitcoin, is and you're right, it's in the blockchain. So what you've got to do is develop cryptocurrencies where you can find out where it's gone, and it's open and transparent. If but they won't ask for point. payment in those ones, will they? <laughs> no, they won't, will they? No, that's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I yeah. think we've definitely got some interesting times ahead. And and look, what I like about these reports coming through is it as it keeps them in the media, it keeps people thinking about it, and we definitely need that for New Zealand. We've still got too much of the old uh, she'll be right uh, attitude and it won't happen to me and, and, and those things. There's plenty of opportunity for, for us to uh, to do better. Um, trade window yeah. have uh, have listed on the uh, on the NZX uh, last few days, and they'd earlier uh, in the year uh, confirmed that they they'd taken uh, investment from um, ASB and uh, Anna Mowbray, uh, about fifteen million dollars, sort of bringing their their total uh, funding to uh, to to twenty two uh, twenty two million. Uh, looking at the uh, the NZX today, looked as though they're uh, they're about 25 percent up on um, you know what what they entered uh, the NZX at. So uh, looks as though they're they're uh, they're going in a good direction there. Uh, ple- pleasing to to see a. Uh, a software company list locally. They were sort of st- starting to worry that um, you know maybe the New Zealand Stock Exchange was um, was so broken that uh, no you know, nobody was going to uh, going to bother uh, bother listing on the NZX again. We you know of course lost the likes of uh, of Zero and um, and others. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been very slow in terms of new listings uh, on the NZX recently. Uh, New Zealand Stock Exchange. Are you looking to list at some stage, Paul? Um, probably, probably nothing, uh, nothing to announce in the in the short term. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. <laughs> I think just thinking about trade window. I mean, we talk, I talked about a moment ago about New Zealand being at the bottom of the world and all these supply chain issues and trade, and uh, you know, and there's going to have to be investments in how to do this properly and you know how to digitise 
because because the whole trade process and shipping stuff around the world is still from what i can see incredibly antiquated so for trade window to be getting into this space you know we're getting into iot now you know we're getting into um you know these satellites and gps tracking being available across the globe digitalizing and blockchain you know to get we need to get you know they're getting into that space which i think is going to really be critical to future trade across the globe um, because a pandemic that we've just had or that we're in the middle of um, you know could happen again and things might be uh, you know slowed down or, or lost or um, just simple things uh, so, so this is a great space for them to be in and, and all power and, and encouragement to them to being on the on the stock exchange yeah I'd like to see more of them Yes. Yep. I would. Uh, I would agree. Um, but yeah, that's there's 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 probably a, yeah whole whole separate discussion to have on uh, on <laughs> yeah. on NZX. It, it was funny. I went into their uh, their their search at the top. You know, into your query it says um, at the top of the NZX site, and I put in uh, trade window. Nothing. Ca- it said zero responses under companies. Under, really? Yeah. There were three categories, but there was nothing. And so okay, trade space window. No, nothing. Um, went went back to their their uh, their main dashboard, and they they obviously uh, love riling up people like me that don't like acronyms and and having to remember um, you know stock tickers and and things like that. And I looked down, I saw TWL, and I thought that's it, that'll be the old uh, you know. Um, how do you get a three letter? And you've, well, you got limited after your name, so that fills in one, and then your uh, your, your your word or two sort of fills in the fills in the other and sure enough that was uh, that was it so uh, I don't know maybe uh, maybe NZX have got a little bit of work to do on the uh, on the on the tech front um, just well, of course uh, yeah <laughs> bit of encouragement well the other thing of course is yeah some of the big players or some of the up-and-coming players get acquired too don't they so rather than looking to IPO or go into the New Zealand Stock Exchange they get sold they get bought yep. by someone overseas yeah and uh, you know we've seen at least good dozen to 15 reasonable sized New Zealand tech companies sold to overseas buyers. So they won't be listed on the stock exchange. They do export, so they are good for New Zealand, but the ownership goes goes away. Yeah, yep. Um, zero, I've done, uh, have, have done, you know, pretty well on the scheme of things since, uh, since, since moving on to the... Uh, uh, the Australian uh, Stock Exchange, although I, I see uh, down 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 a down a uh, three points today. Um, on to something that I think uh, has has a lot of promise for New Zealand, and uh, it's the idea of trying to build up our uh, our small business owners to to take uh, technology. Uh, and digital more serious in terms of the the opportunity um, that digital transformation can can bring uh, to our organisations. And uh, we we had the Digital Boost uh, Alliance established last year. I think it had in the sort of twenty to twenty five million, um, you know, put into it by uh, by the government. Uh, that was boosted in the budget uh, this year. Um, was it an extra? Um, 44 million 44 
Yep. yep. So um, what are they at? So about 60 million. So I've got one of my figures there is wrong. Um, Craig, I don't know uh, if you know which which one of those. I'm, I'm seeing that the headline was 60 million to boost uh, small business um, through through um, Digital Boost. But um, you're involved in that as well. So tell us a little bit about the Digital Boost Alliance and the um, and the role that that plays because Digital Boost has been you know, offering a, a range of uh, content um, since, yeah, since last year as, as something yeah. to, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, help our our uh, New Zealand organisations. And, you know, it came through the, the pandemic. That's where the, the funding came through. Um, but the concept to me is, is one that's universally applicable um, to New Zealand organisations, um, you know, small or big, we need to do better on a on a digital uh, digital front. Yeah, it's been a burning topic for quite a few years, Paul. And I remember, um, you know, pre-pandemic, even two or three years before that, trying to work out, you know, what's the compelling uh, moment to get small and medium enterprises taking up digital services because we had great broadband being put in place um, and people were starting to buy online. Uh, you know, but but your um, small and medium enterprises were sort of going, well, we're doing okay, we don't need to do that sort of thing. Um, and, and you just couldn't get them over the line. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And suddenly we were all working at home, we all, you know, and uh, we were going online. And so that was the moment where I think a number of lights went on and people, so the government said, right, this is the great opportunity to put some money in and actually make the most of this. And so the Digital Boost Program, you're absolutely right, $20 million out of the resurgence funds last year, kicked the project off, got it started, uh, and started helping small and medium enterprises. And, and you know, we saw, we, we, we're just starting to see some of those uh, numbers come through now about the positive impact that it's having on those organisations and on, on the economic uh productivity and growth and then this year another 44 million and um, where we've got involved is two ends is we're helping support the what's called the digital boost alliance which is a bit of a partnership or a, or a program that's on the side and that's where we're trying to bring together a number of uh, larger companies or, or providers who can help small and medium enterprises and what we're trying to do is say to these companies here's an opportunity to help New Zealand lift its digital gain. And uh, so where the Digital Boost program is helping people understand why they should have a website, how to build a website, how you do online shopping, all those sorts of things, how you use Instagram, how do you market. How about you put some skin in the game and help them uh, financially or in a way that helps them understand. So, for example, there's a... Um, there's, there's collaboration starting to occur, non -com not not breaking any competition rules, but, you know, starting to work together to offer packages that help small and medium enterprises. So, you know, things like MYOB and Zero, you know, okay, they're in competition, they're not offering something together, but they're offering, each of them is offering something to help uh, small and medium enterprises, and that's what the Alliance does. And so we're supporting the Alliance and helping run that, bring them together, run the website. And so if you go on... The Alliance website, you'll see, you know, the offers that Cisco, Microsoft, MYOB, uh, Rocket Spark, um, you know, a wide range of providers are offering um, to help small and medium enterprises really take off. And then 
the boost site, the program or the platform, which has got over 40 something thousand people, you know, engaged with that. Um, that's where you learn to how to use these tools and how to make the most of them. I think it's a great program. And, um, you know, the government's committed 44 million, as you said, for two years. Um, so the trick for those of us in the, in the not for profit or the commercial side is how do you take that momentum and keep it going? And then keep it going beyond because governments are very good at you know funding something for a period of time to get it up and running but they want to step away at some point so you know how do we keep it going so um oh it's pretty exciting actually i think and it's exciting to have found that tipping point that we've been talking about for so long yeah i'll look look forward to how that uh, how that progresses but uh yeah it's cert- certainly an area that's uh, um near and dear to my heart has been for for a long long time and look if if the government can contribute in such a way that uh you know that works out works out well look it's really hard to do these things and it's easy to throw stones yeah. at, at, at varying sort of shortcomings with any of these things or you know where they've spent the money and 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 so on but the the broad idea is is good um yep they're going to spend the money a little bit differently to um, you know how 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 it might be might be spent by uh, by a business, um, but you know they're they're involving different businesses and partners to make it happen. Um, so you know I think overall uh, really pleasing. Now on to uh, on to some of the I guess more uh, more international um, topics. There's been a little bit of uh, a little bit of a coverage around a startup that wants to throw um, satellites <laughs> into orbit. With a giant centrifuge, so basically, uh, you know, spinning something very, very fast, and uh, and then uh, letting you know on on the Earth, and then letting this thing sort of um, flip up into uh, into space. Uh, sounds absolutely bonkers, um, but uh, yeah, there's um, you know there's 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 company. Uh, Working on on this uh, spin launch, and uh, I'm I'm very curious to see whether this is something that can uh, can be pulled off. What do you What do you think, Craig? Is this uh, science oh. fiction, or or you know, could they do it, or could it go wrong and um, um, you know, uh, not be well controlled and fly in the wrong direction, land somewhere on in a in the middle of a city, or um, you know, fly up and hit something that shouldn't in space. Um, you, you, you think there's any merit to this? <laughs> it just sounds bizarre, doesn't it? You know, spin it up and throw it up. And throw being the operative word. I think throw. though, what we yeah, yeah. What we're seeing, though, is this development of these mini and micro satellites. And that's where this idea sort of starts to play. So, you know, Rocket Lab in New Zealand is making a big play on, you know, the Electron rocket. If you compared it to the Apollo, the Saturn rocket or the stuff that Elon Musk is in, it's small, right? And that's where they're playing really well, at taking these small satellites into space. But things like Starlink and OneWeb and some of these other ones, these satellites aren't very big. They're actually, what they rely on is having a lot of them up there and just sort of covering the planet with them. And this one, I can see why they think it would work because basically you're thinking about a shoebox size or even less, no motive power, all it's, and, and it's probably got no batteries in it either. It's just charged by solar. And so if you can get it up into the atmosphere far enough, 
it'll probably start going around the world. I, I have no idea how you're going to make it get it to where it's supposed to be. Maybe you just throw as many up as you can and they, they <laughs> go around the world. But but I think one of the things we do have to start thinking about is, um, you know, when do when do we get to the point of saying, actually, there's, a, there's too many things up there? And, um, you know, there is a danger of them running into each other, particularly if they have no motive power. You know, the original Sputnik and all those sort of satellites, they actually had the ability to move and they had some, you know, ability to uh, reorientate themselves. Well, these don't. These these rely on, on, on you know, on gravity and and the spinning of the Earth and getting into a satellite, getting into into orbit. So your concern about it perhaps not getting up there, the more you throw up, the more accidents you have. So, yeah, you might be right. Something might come and land in your backyard. Yeah, well, I mean, on that sort of, you know, putting more more stuff up there, uh, of course the Russians um, got in, in trouble for causing a, you know, generating a whole lot of um, space debris when... Uh, um, they did a anti-satellite uh, missile, and right. uh, that generated um, what was it? I think it's something around fifteen hundred, um, you know, pieces of of debris in a very short space of time. With the feeling there'll be a lot more over time, and you know what harm, what trouble that causes in space, and you know what a absolutely stupid thing it was to do. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything sort of on the other side saying how how wise it was and what the great benefits are of of what they did. But you know, I think those on the space station were having to um, you know pull back and 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 jump into um, you know their their attached um, uh, you know transport vehicles and, and so on in, in, in case the space station was uh, was impacted. So it it you know it sounded like a, a reasonably big deal. Uh, but look, I ha- you know I have um, have no doubt if there's a lot of money going into this uh, yeah. and a, a lot of thinking going into it. Look, we 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 have incredibly smart people on the planet, and the the technology that allows us to figure these things and, and calculate them. Um, you know, you put it all together, and yeah. well, you know, look at look at Rocket Lab. You know, they've been very very successful with their launches. Um, you know, I think probably only a couple that they've had any issues with very very high success rate um so you know these things that look impossible can absolutely be done so um yep i'm uh, i'm yeah. all for that we keep keep doing the impossible um as, as yep. long as it's uh it's balanced and we don't you know blow anybody or uh, anything up and we don't uh, yeah we don't overdo it in terms of um you know filling up um the um that that uh you know, space around around the Earth, where uh, where where satellites and uh, and and the like uh, orbit. Yeah, and look, there's huge benefits from this, right? So, like, um, many of us will know people who live rurally in New Zealand that perhaps haven't got great broadband. I've got some friends that do, and they've just got Starlink installed, and they're talking about how great it is. You know, the fact that it's just super better than what they've got, and it's and it's obviously getting the right attention because in the UK, BT, British Telecom, is partnering with OneWeb to to trial over the next couple of years these low-Earth orbit satellites to provide broadband to rural customers in the UK. So, you know, the technology is there, it's worth it, and it's working. Um, You know, we might as well add another um, string to the bow so that people can actually get decent broadband. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, 
Oh, yeah, on that front, uh, the Starlink, it is a topic we keep coming back to. Um, but, I, you know, I think it, it's, 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 it's one that we want to get up to speed on, and that was why I ordered one for, you know, for the tech podcast and, and you know, just for the, the general, uh, you know, experience early on in the year. And, um, yeah, it's been really interesting, uh, you know, trying it out. My most recent test, because I don't get a lot of benefit of, of having it home where I've got fibre, no. but I was able to run it up and so on. I uh, tried it at another location, uh, sort of across Auckland, you know, um, reasonable distance away. It worked flawlessly. Um, so then I've tried a, a, f- a further out uh, location, which is, you know, a chunk out of uh, Auckland into the sort of the, the Waitakere's. Um, when I plugged it in there to try it, it came up with a message in the app and saying, hey, you're, you're uh, using this away from your usual address. It was, you know, it was far enough that it was out of the zone. So uh-huh. I thought, oh, okay. Now, you know, one thing that I had warned, you know, some people uh, uh, about who were like, oh, we'll sit back and wait. We're in no hurry. You know, we're not in an immediate hurry, but we, 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 we probably will get it as well. You might just find that you can't get it in a particular area. And so I tried changing to the the address where I was at, and um, they said no, it's fully, you know, we're we're fully subscribed in this area. We can't give you uh, we can't give you coverage. Now it was already partly uh, partly working, um, so um, you know, me wanting to sort of test this out because that's what that's what we do for the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I put in an intermediary address, kind of you know, part way between where I was uh, and my home address that I originally set up for. It accepted that address, and then um, a short while later in the app, I noticed the warning around trying to use it, you know, away from the original address uh, had disappeared. So um, there, there may be some workarounds, um, but no guarantee. <laughs> and of course, too many people do these things, and it, and it probably breaks everything. Yeah. Um, but it is, um, you know, is worth being aware of if you know if you have one. And you need to maybe move it from time to time. There, there are some, uh, you know, there are some mechanisms that uh, that that seem to work, and you know, it does look like sort of, you know, longer term we will, uh, you know, we'll see them being able to be be, you know, able to move move around uh, to a fairly reasonable yeah. extent, and maybe they'll have different plans or, or what have you to cover that. Wait and see how it plays out, but uh, it's yeah. great having that option available in the New Zealand market. I think uh, yeah, very very helpful. So uh, yeah. yeah. Um, now on to Sudan. Um, they yeah. have been in the unfortunate. Um, well, I guess it, it depends where you sit, right? As to whether it's unfortunate or, or fortunate when a, a military coup happens. Um, I haven't been following all the all the politics that have been going. On there, there's there's certainly been a bit of coverage, but often, uh, you know, the, the, these sorts of situations don't get too much attention in the New, New Zealand media. Uh, but what did catch my attention uh, was, and, and look, I'm sure it, it it's not very nice on on the ground for a lot of people. But uh, one of the things that caught my attention was that the the military um, ordered that internet access be, um, you know, largely uh, cut off. Um, and uh, so that was uh, October uh, 25th um, but a court there effectively has is, 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 um, re- recently ordered that um, the country's main uh, telecommunications companies uh, step in and, and, and restore uh, that internet access I, I think it was supposed to happen after about two weeks I, I think it maybe ended up being around around three weeks where 
internet was out. Now, um, I mean, we've been through some pretty interesting, you know, times of, of, around the world, and 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 pretty pretty bad, and and uh, you know, in all sorts of aspects, especially when a lot of people are dying. Um, but internet connectivity is something that we've we've you know we've we've taken for granted, uh, you know, probably um, even to a broader extent than than we, we take for granted our uh, our democracy. Uh, it's just it's it's not something we expect to uh, to ever ever be able to disappear. Uh, and I I uh, mm-hmm. I just you know wonder what what would happen in New Zealand if we had a uh, an internet outage of of a day. Uh, let alone a week or, or or multiple weeks. I mean, there is so much now that uh, is just linked back to that reliance on the internet. Um, of course, the the ability to tap into things like um, Starlink, uh, you know, probably starts changing the picture a, a, a little bit um, because that type of service, although they rely on um, you know lo- local base stations, um, you know, they don't have to. Um, so. Yeah, have you uh, have you followed followed this? I mean, it's not the first time we've seen seen countries uh, you know hit by the, these sort of outages in, in in recent years. But the impact has to just keep going up, doesn't it? On on businesses yeah. and on individuals and and its impact on democracy. Yeah, it's it's huge. You know, it just shows again the the reliance we have on this technology to communicate and keep informed and share information and even just talk to each other. You know, even down at the plain old level where the the plain old telephone service has been switched off, right? It's turning off in New Zealand. You're gonna all your calls are gonna be going over the internet going ahead, and in these types of environments, I mean. They turn them off because they don't want people talking to each other, really, and, and organising. Well, that's what it's for. It's for communicating. It's for keeping in contact. And you're absolutely right. You know, some of these other services like Starlink, which are operating outside of a jurisdiction, they won't be able to turn them off. And so, you know, it will we'll, we'll come to the situation where you won't be able to do this sort of stuff. Um, but, Paul, you know, I... I, I in a, in a first world country like ours, internet connectivity is, in my mind, the fourth utility. It, we all rely on electricity, water, the roads, and our broadband connection. You have to have all four of those yeah. to live these days. Um, and and we, we've got some way to go in New Zealand to help some of our lower socioeconomic um, and, um, you know, particular groups. We need to help them be better connected so we've got our own issues that um two hands is also being involved in around what does affordable connectivity mean that's a whole nother conversation for another time but you know that's something else that we're trying to get involved in no one should be left behind agreed no i think that yeah there, there is a another discussion there that we definitely should uh should uh delve delve further into well, it's been great to catch up with you, Craig. Um, really appreciate your, your time and always good to have you on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Yeah. Um, where should people go to uh, to track you down and find out what uh, what Two Ans is, uh, is up to at the moment, the, the uh, yeah. Technology Users Association of New Zealand? Yep, simple website, twoans.org.nz, Facebook, Two Ans CEO. We've got LinkedIn, Two Ans. Our Flint program, our Future Leaders program, has their own Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm not so great on Twitter. I don't keep up to date with that, but that's 2NCO if you want to go on there as well. But that's that's the sort of 
good old social media and I know Facebook isn't one that lots of people use but it seems to work for us quite well yeah good stuff well um, yeah thanks everyone for listening in you can of course catch us across yeah all of those social media channels uh, LinkedIn and so on haven't been doing so much of the uh, the live streaming um, during this phase of, of lockdown we actually get a better audio quality using a using a tool that um, isn't as strong on the live streaming but gives us better quality uh, audio for for normal podcast listening which you know of course is, is always the the large uh, majority of the New Zealand tech podcast uh, audience but um, our new studios have actually just been finished uh, being built um, and so you expect to sort of start seeing um, seeing the show and uh, and some of the other podcast New Zealand shows starting to uh, to come back from uh, from our new uh, studio there uh, in uh, in City Road in Auckland so um, yeah thank thanks everyone and uh, of course if you if you're needing somewhere for a podcast or for hosting a webinar or a live stream um, yeah we'll be uh, we'll be looking to get those uh, studios very uh, very very busy again and uh, yeah it's great to have a, we've got a, a much bigger uh, primary studio now uh, and then a, a smaller uh, secondary studio so uh, yeah puts us in a, in a great position for um, um, for those uh, you know tech or, or other organizations that um, would like some help on that front um, yeah good stuff all right we'll catch you again uh, soon craig and uh, we'll we'll look out uh, you know for for what's coming up in in events and and other happenings what's your, what's your next event uh, we've got a couple coming up just to finish the year off but one of the big ones we're doing just at the beginning of December is we're doing a webinar of course with um, some global people from Ericsson talking about what has been the developments of 5G and what can we see happening next year because I really do think next year we're going to see that technology take off Great, alright The New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology Proactive and Strategic IT Thank <laughs> you.